Emma. Hey, Kate. How's it going? Oh, it's good. Just another gloomy day. I'm like looking out my window and I see like what appears to be microscopic um, snowflakes. So it is officially winter here, I feel like. Yeah, a lot of snow, a lot of snow on the ground. I'm looking at some beautiful cars stacked on top of each other as uh, me living next to a parking garage is a consistent theme on the podcast. But today we're going to be talking about, I think, uh, elephant in the room of kind of creating a wellness podcast is now we're sort of pivoting and like focusing on that being the main purpose of our podcast. Um, we're going to be unleashing our hot wellness takes into the universe. Uh, there is a lot to dissect about what wellness is. Is it good, bad? A lot of brands, topics, and I feel Emma, you and I both have a lot of experience kind of going down various rabbit holes, uh, marketing, you know, YouTube videos. And so we're ready to unleash this shit into the world. Yeah, it's a messy, it can be a messy area. And I think you and I are kind of are fully aware of that. And even though we do partake in it, I think, yeah, we are like very self-aware that some of the stuff is a little ridiculous. So we're kind of just here to talk about just some very trendy things in the wellness area that we find are a little stupid and just kind of like how they can be a little triggering for us especially with people who have struggled with like eating disorders in the past totally and certain things can lead to severe health problems so though Mm -hmm. you're seeking out wellness as a way to become more healthy it actually can be very detrimental to your health if you fall down certain paths um and obviously Emma and I have disclosed in the podcast already like we have had eating disorders in the past these thoughts still live with us we're influenced by a lot I would say because like I think I fell into my eating disorder because information I was receiving from social media influencers brands you know health trends um just so we're just putting that out there as a disclaimer that we both have been through it and are kind of on the upside I don't think we're ever going to be fully recovered as we've said but just from a place of, you know, we've struggled through this shit too. Totally. Yeah. And I think just, again, yeah, everyone also just has like demented food thoughts just based on like culture, media, and just like comments that you see or receive. And then also just like us living in New York City, it's like just generally fucked up here. Um, yeah. Just because of like how much uh, emphasis there is on like image and fashion and like cleanse- cleanses and like dieting, etc. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, again, like, I think Kate mentioned in a few episodes before, like diet culture is everywhere, regardless of where you live, just because of like how prevalent it is on social media. And it's like such like a trendy thing now um, that, yeah, it's kind of hard to avoid. And it sucks, especially when you, you know, do dream to like live in a world where you don't have to like feel triggered all the time or like worried about like, oh, like, am I eating the right foods? Um, It's like very, very difficult and mentally exhausting and draining because of social media yeah and so I think from this like we want to create an accessible wellness outlet going into the new year uh because once again like I was saying you can't avoid diet culture is everywhere like you're not going to live in a puritanical world where you're not going to see a marketing claim that could trigger you in some sense so it's about building a tool like a tool set almost so that you can navigate through the world because I mean, I do one scroll on Instagram and yeah, I'm like triggered. I go on YouTube and watch some of my favorite influencers or friends that I have and they say some shit that like upsets me. But it's about like, I think figuring out how to, you know, create your own routine regardless of what other people are doing on the internet, in your family, in New York and wherever you live. 
totally so we are I mean I am unready <laughs> I'm ready to unleash uh, my thoughts into the universe uh, drinking some coffee nice and slow so this might be you know an episode full of rage for Emma and I uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of I you know I think Emma it's our it's our noon therapy today it uh, really yes it is yeah so I'm gonna call you back in a sec uh, then we'll get these vibes checked uh, to take down big wellness because wellness is fucked. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Okay. Right, let's do it. We are back, ready to riff and rage about everything wellness, <laughs> frankly. Let's, let's get this party started. Our first section is called Health Claims Social Media Influencers. This is like just a general section because. Once again, everyone has experienced some sort of diet culture on their phone, whether or not you've gone down the same <laughs> fruitarian raw till four YouTube trends like Emma and I, you've definitely experienced some of this. So I would say the general marketing of things like sex stuff or detox or metabolism booster. First of all, none of these words are regulated by any sort of governmental agency. So like when you are taking any supplement, any food, any product, they have to list the, nutri- the nutritional information, right? They have to list the ingredients, how much vitamin A is in a product. But when you're looking at the packaging on the other side as a consumer, all the other shit is garbage. If you're looking at a product to cure all your claims, like this is going to get rid of my inflammation, it's going to make me stop bloating, it's going to do this, it's bullshit. The body is a complex system, stress, hormones, DNA, one product is not going to do it. And a lot of products are being sold to you and marketed to you by influencers. As someone who does influencing on the internet, I am very apt to how I promote things on social media. Um, You're not going to, like, there is a little bit of a trust, right? Like the whole advertising move to using influencers versus like paying for a billboard, for example, because there's been scientific studies and psychological marketing that if you look up to someone and they're trustworthy in your life, you're more likely to buy a product. This is why you see the rise of influencers, basically, because people trust their friends, people trust people on social media versus seeing a poster on a wall telling them to go buy some beauty blend. If you're looking for people, strangers, frankly, on the internet that you don't know, myself included, to tell you how to lose five pounds, to tell you how to get glowing skin, please don't, like, log off. That is, I think, just a general tip of, like, Mm -hmm. why would you trust a random person? I think if you'd have a conversation with a random person on the street and they told you to go do 50 jumping jacks, would you do it? Like, if if you're ready to, like, jump off a cliff if someone else tells you to do that, like, that's kind of a, I think, just a general life skill to have that you need to have a little bit of critical thinking Uh, So I would definitely look at that when you are looking at marketing of health products and going into like who is promoting this, the science behind it versus just like literally trusting anyone on the internet uh, because like conspiracies and any sort of like bullshit is very ripe nowadays. Yeah. And like to go off with that, if you see someone, you know, promoting some like stupid like detox tea or like, yeah, do this like workout or take this powder and it'll like all your problems you are going to assume that like it worked for them so it should work for me but it's just like rooted in so much opinion over fact and yeah again like Kate said a lot of these influencers again they're here to promote the product they um are not registered dietitians they're not doctors um quite frankly they probably barely even understand what the product is doing to them um so yeah just kind of like taking everything with like a grain of salt that you see especially like on Instagram with like sponsored posts by random like fitness gurus totally and the only 
the only um, actual like influencer program that I've worked with that I have felt extremely confident is the brand Seed that is like the probiotic brand. They make people that quote influence for them disclose everything with like FTC guidelines. You have to take a very intensive nine part quiz about the gut microbiome. It took me like a day, almost like half of a day to finish this quiz in order to become a certified influencer. And I really respect them for that reason. Like that is why I promote them because they make their influencers responsible, responsible and accountable to products on the internet versus like bullshit, you know, beauty vitamins that aren't doing anything for you. So this kind of leads into the next section, which, you know, I can riff about for hours, which is (laughs) detoxing. So detoxing is bullshit. uh, Just as a premise, the marketing of it is giving cleanses to people who generally do not need to cleanse. There's a lot of privileged white women that are in their mid 20s or 30s or even teens that don't need to fucking cleanse. What the whole aspect of like cleansing as a wellness trend is bullshit. Like it is a fear that, you know, the world is instead of focusing on maybe like, why has the environmental protection agency like polluted our water? I'm going to go get my Berkey filter in private so I can have clean water instead of actually voting for a government that would make these things more accessible, right? Like when you're looking at pollution targeted skincare, it's like, why is the pollution there? You shouldn't have to go buy a fucking product to fix it. Maybe if people cared more about politics, you wouldn't have to go make these consumer choices. So that's just one thing on detox. As an example, I did a little research um, into Saqqara Life. Some of you may have heard of it. It's very prevalent in New York City. A lot of influencers get sent it. Saqqara Life has not hit my line. Please do not hit my line. I will reject you and send you a very angry email back. So it's marketed as a five-day detox that's less about shredding pounds quickly and more about resetting your gut. As Emma and I are strong fans of the gut microbiome, okay, I understand the premise there, but... A, a detox. Okay, so the Sakarla founder, who I obviously don't know, Whitney Tingle, Whitney, if you're listening, think about this girl. <laughs> she said on the record, it's not meant to be a crash diet or make you feel like you're starved. It's designed to help heal your gut because the gut is the center of your health, from how you sleep to your hormones to your sex drive to how clear your skin is. So first of all, you're, you've already kind of had to address that this is not a crash diet as you're marketing your product. So make you think about that. It is sugar-free, dairy-free, grain-free, gluten-free, and meat-free detox. What are you eating, first of all? (laughs) It's very elitist. Uh, The pricing of this, it costs $70 to eat per one day. $70. Uh, $420 for a week if you do a reoccurring subscription, or $440 for a one-time offer for their five-day cleanse. It's bullshit. It's not any sort of customizable meal plan towards your needs and nutrition. Every single person that orders get the exact same meals. They have like these like raw vegan like cinnamon rolls that is supposed to satiate you as your breakfast. It's a lot of bone broths. And my issue with detox is it seems like you're a failure if you can't stick with it. You lack the motivation. You lack the discipline. You failed on your detox diet. And food, like after you do this detox, I think there's just like a weird period where you're like, okay, what the fuck do I eat now? Like you put your body in such a weird state that now, like, I don't know how you could go back to like cooking for yourself. You're just starving. And it's like the mentality around it is like depriving your body of like real food. And it's so fucking expensive. I'm like, how can this, why do like white people and like white women specifically that are already probably thin and have a healthy BMI, like, why do they think they need to detox from the evils of the world? That's my shade on that. Emma. Yeah. Um, I like completely agree also like (laughs) 
if you ever just like go on their website i don't know just like the names of like the products are just like really funny and yeah like i just like can't even well also it's like it's supposed to promote the gut but it's like is there even any like i don't know like kimchi or like sauerkraut and like any of those foods like i don't know it's just, it's very confusing to me yeah um and then i think also to go along with that like wellness is definitely very much like an exclusive um they market themselves as like this very like exclusive thing um and i think because of like companies and brands maybe to the likes of like goop um they definitely promote like very somewhat not somewhat very unnecessary wellness products like the jade egg or whatever yeah (laughs) and yeah it's like very much like targeted towards like kate said like skinny like white women who kind of like already have probably like a decent bmi like why do they feel the need to like detox or like go on these juice cleanses um and they definitely just give the out the impression that you can't be like a wellness goddess unless you like have this product or like this powder and um yeah I it's just it can definitely feel very uh lonely and you definitely feel like oh I'm like never gonna be like perfect because I don't have this product when in reality it's like you don't need these products yeah and once again like Emma and I are still like you know buying things like ashwagandha I have found benefits from that you could say that's bullshit like I think you can be curious about products and try them out but also still be wary of how the products are being marketed to you. It's a lot about you as a consumer being an active consumer instead of just being passive and like falling for any trap because that's, I think, where it gets tricky when you're looking for products to cure you versus like using Mm -hmm. products as like a supplement, which like the word supplement is like supplementing your diet, supplementing the things you are already doing in your life. So I think that's the way to look at it versus like cutting everything out and going to these detoxes like, I'm not eating anything else but what Sakara Life sent me. It's just, it's outrageous to me for how that's sustainable. Um, it really, I the marketing of detoxing really just bugs me from a political standpoint that the world is made so unpure. Like, if you're a white person, a white woman, and you think that, like, the world is so unpure, like, go try to live in any area where there's food apartheid. Like, don't talk to me about how your water is polluted and you don't have access to fresh food. You know, that, that I think that's kind of the edge with it, with detoxing. It's, like, the place of privilege that it comes from. Yeah, and, like, also, I think to go along, again, like, you can't really trust everything that is said on the internet. Like, Goop is definitely, like, a huge, like, company. Like, I'm sure plenty of women always go onto their sites and, like, probably seek guidance and, like, advice. Yeah. But also, like, Goop has faced lawsuits for false claims. And I definitely, again, like Kate has mentioned, like, there needs to be more regulation. And it's just, like, the fact that you can kind of like spew out anything without any like true hard like evidence or science or reports to back up your claims it again can be like very damaging to your health in the long run totally the next subject which is prevalent probably more for our generation versus like older women is the prevalence of what i eat in a day videos primarily on youtube i've seen the trend of them now on instagram like you know igtvs mm-hmm. oof um you want to start <laughs> Yeah, I mean, these major, like, if you deal with any sort of, like, eating disorder, like, I'm sure you can relate, like, it's a huge trigger for you, because you're just immediately going to be comparing yourself to how much you eat compared to them, and a lot of these YouTubers or, like, people on TikTok or Instagram, they're definitely leaving out how much food they, like, they're not showing everything that they're eating, and it's, like, one glimpse of, like, one day, and since it's going to be, like, shown to the public, they're going to, like, want to be seen as like this like perfect like health goddess and you know they'll probably just like make like a smoothie with like water in it and like an acai packet and then like 
claim that like oh I got too busy so I didn't eat lunch today so now I'm just gonna eat like dinner yeah um and they tend to just like yeah give you like meal ideas or grocery ideas which are like complete bullshit like they should not be like suggesting you know how you should eat or like what to purchase because again like are they registered do they have any like scientific facts that like this will help you or whatever um yeah it's like a lot of it's it has definitely it does a lot of damage to me whenever I watch yeah me too I like cannot seriously like make it through them it just is so I find myself halfway through and I'm like okay are we gonna gloss over the fact that you said this or you're like oh I only drank coffee today and it's 2 p.m and I just went to spin class for an hour like what the fuck my issue with it is like as someone who has like a semi-influence on the internet it's like be responsible with your fucking platform you know you have followers you know you have young fucking girls on your platform I have friends that post these type of videos as well there are ways to do it I have seen plenty of YouTube videos where it's like meals that I've eaten throughout the week recipe ideas don't use it as an excuse that I want to give my followers meal ideas or grocery lists you can do that in a fucking responsible way. If you are posting exactly what you work out every single day, what you eat every single fucking day to young impressionable girls to look up to you, like the whole reason you have a platform is because you've developed a following of young girls probably that are looking up to you. It is fucking reckless. And I literally want to sue these people for like reckless endangerment of young women everywhere, everywhere. Like it is a slippery slope to say like, here's what I eat in a day not really thinking about like the comments that you're associating with your meals. Like, oh, I wasn't really hungry, so I didn't finish that. Or like, oh, that made me so full. And it's like one fucking cracker. Like that is very triggering to people. And if you don't have any experience of having an eating disorder, I'm very happy for you. But I bet like the prevalence of eating disorders in this country, and in the world, like someone that is watching your channel has had a bad experience with food and you are likely pushing them back into a bad place or even putting someone into that place that they've never been in. I mean, I think I, you know, developed some of my like eating disorder thoughts originally because I was listening to how people were talking about their food. I was like, that would make me full, full shit. Should I be eating that? Should I be cutting calories? Like what are, what's a calorie deficit? So it's just like entirely like negligent for you to act like you do not have an influence and an impact. And it pisses me the fuck off when like very prominent influencers can just say whatever they want on the internet. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of it in New York too is like fucked up where it's like, oh, I was just so busy. I didn't eat all day. And then I had like a a coffee, like all those flippant comments really add up over time. I think. Totally. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just be smarter with your words and like what you share to all those. uh, Yeah. To all the influences out there that have like um, (laughs) uh, YouTube, just, just don't. There's other, there's other content that you can produce. And there are people on like TikTok, YouTube, Instagram who are registered dietitians like there are fitness Mm -hmm. instructors that are posting shit but like they might not have the most following and if you're just a random fashion influencer that people probably think is skinny and pretty and fits into these cool clothes like that's where you are going to get like the most I think followers that are not necessarily coming to your page for fitness advice but might like take it the wrong way getting into fitness uh this is our next section uh as Emma and I I think have dealt with you know I think just like triggers around like how much you should work out, how long you should work out, like all of the claims of like burning fat, losing weight are just everywhere. I think for both genders, for everyone. Um, Obviously, like there's shit like weight loss claims, like if you do this, you're going to shred this many pounds in two weeks. I was very susceptible to this growing up playing volleyball. Uh, 
you should not be losing weight if you're an adolescent. This is the peak time for bone development. Your body's still growing. I was supposed to be six feet two, but due to like the ways that I was like cutting calories and restricting my eating and like over exercising, I wasn't able to grow to my full potential. And I really wonder like what my body would have looked like if I would have fed it adequate nutrition and like treated it properly during the peak years, especially for girls. Uh, There's a lot of stereotypes like lifting will make you bulky, muscle increases your metabolism, and we don't have as much testosterone as men, ladies, so it's not like you're going to, I can't believe I said ladies, that sounded really weird, Um, (laughs) but you're not going to bulk up. Like, the most, I mean, if you're bodybuilding, like, get into, I don't, I'm pretty sure no one that is, like, trying to lift a weight is going to go down to bodybuilding unless you are really trying to do that. Uh, And it's like, most fitness advice is coming from men, most clinical trials are only run on men, and, like, trends like intermittent fasting or fasted cardio and all that shit so you don't actually know how it will affect your hormones as a woman and things like on youtube like the chloe ting challenge once again like people do that so they can post that they're doing it um you're pressuring yourself there's an absence of rest days you're focusing on the physical results when like you might be pushing yourself and really have a sprained ankle or like really feel like shit, but you just feel like you have to do it because it's some sort of challenge and it's like a band-aid. It's not a lifestyle thing you're going to implement. And that's my view with fitness. I've tried to put myself into rabbit holes of doing stuff in a certain way and it wasn't sustainable. And so I don't work out that way anymore. And I think that's the biggest issue with fitness, like influencer or like health claims is that it's not going to be sustainable in your life for like a long period of time. Totally. And I think also like, fitness targeted as when it's targeted towards women it's all about like getting in like a calorie deficit and calorie deficits can like hurt your metabolism I think people often like kind of glaze over that like we need calories to be able to function our brain kidneys heart nervous system we need it for good digestion and just like to be able to physically move your body and if you're eating too few calories or you're in too big of like a deficit, it will lead to muscle loss, which will slow your metabolism. It'll weaken your bones and reduce your fertility because your body does not have enough energy in itself to take care of itself that it's going to end up shutting down certain systems in order to literally Mm -hmm. just survive. Um, And to go off with this for me, like just like workout video titles, whether it's like get abs in six minutes or how to get a smaller waist or yeah, like the Chloe Ting, like two week shred, or you'll burn 500 calories from this cardio workout. It just like centers working out around like body image and weight. Whereas I think if you want to have a healthy relationship with working out and like exercise, you have to like remove the whole like body image aspect and you should do it because it makes you feel good mentally and not about like burning calories to get into a deficit. Like for me, for someone who has really terrible, like self-confidence and like body image issues, like I enjoy going to the gym because it is the one time where like I am like proud of what my body's capable of doing. Like I'm proud that like I can lift, you know, this amount of weights or that like I was able to like run at this pace for like X for like 10 minutes or whatever. And again, also like everyone burns a different amount of calories. So like you like, so it's just like, it's pointless to be like, Oh, like if I'm doing this workout, I'm going to burn 500 calories. It's like, it's like not even worth like even obsessing over that. And again, if you're like not seeing results, it will lead to disappointment and anger and will just lead you to like becoming so addictive to exercises. It's like, oh, well, like I am not seeing results. So that means I must not be doing enough. Whereas like there's so many other factors that go into play when it comes to like, you know, changing your body composition. And so, yeah, I think like workout video titles are extremely triggering for me 
and I yeah it especially like again like during like quarantine where it was like all these like home workout videos I think Kate and I mentioned this and maybe like the last episode or two just like how triggering it was to like see everyone posting what workout videos they're doing and like the whole Chloe team challenge and like people like showing their like before and afters and like measuring themselves it's just like again like that people that just like then emphasizes that like oh working out is like all about like what you look like and along with that too like if you go on the internet and you search like how many calories should I eat in a day to lose this much weight any of those calorie trackers you could pull up 10 different tabs and you will get a different number I mean like I've been there in Mm -hmm. the past like thinking about all that shit as one when I was in recovery thinking about how much I need to eat to gain weight but it's all like pseudo bullshit. I'm sure if you have like one of those whoop fitness trackers or like an Apple watch or something, it's probably more accurate, but still like, once again, like I'm saying, it's so fixated on calories and losing and it's just like a numbers game that will drive you insane. So I highly suggest. All right. The next subject is the female athlete triad. This is something that hits home for me. So the medical definition of it is an interrelationship of menstrual dysfunction, low energy availability with or without an eating disorder and decreased bone mineral density. So this is what snapped me out of my eating disorder from a habit perspective because I was so scared about what I was doing to my body from a long-term health perspective. So basically, you are putting your body with insufficient energy to function, and it leads to depletion of calcium in your bones. The medical term for this would be hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is the absence of your menses or period. The only other time in your life you're not going to have your period is if you are um, in menopause or if you're pregnant. But if you are, you know, like a young girl not getting your period, that is abnormal. The issue with amenorrhea at a young age is like beyond kind of, you know, doing it for like feeling like you want to be thinner and like, oh, I don't have my period. It's fine. Once you become amenorrheic, the perfective effect of exercise is lost. So, for example, you could be lifting weights, which, w- which would reality in reality, like, make you have more calcium in your bones and make you stronger. But because you're amenorrheic, like, you will not see the benefits. I went to the doctor, and it was funny because my doctor was like, have you ever worked out in your life? And I thought she said that as a flippant, as a joke, because I was working out, like, twice a day for volleyball. I was like, yes, I've lifted since I've been 12. And she was like, oh, because you have the bone mineral density of an 80-year-old woman. So, like, even though I was doing all of this lifting and things that were supposed to be good for my, like, fitness level, my body wasn't able to have the effects. And, like, with eating disorders and your bone health, there's going to be reproductive consequences if you plan to have kids and you are not getting your period for, like, months or years. It leads to osteoporosis. And the bone, the low bone mass will lead to an occurrence of fractures. So, when I was playing volleyball, I had a lot of stress fractures from landing because I did not have adequate nutrition to support me. And these things are not fully reversible. So a lone bone mass will put you at, once again, an increased risk for fractures. And adolescence is this time when you could be able to grow your bones. The thing that doctors would shove me down to, quote, get my period back because I had amenorrhea was birth control. Birth control was like the solution. But the issue with it, it's not addressing the underlying hormonal dysfunction. It's giving you an artificial period every single month. And the pills are going to mask the problem that you are not getting your period from like the inner, you know, inner workings of your body. So that's one thing to watch out for exercise wise. If you start losing your period, that is a definite sign that you might be over exercising, you might not be eating enough. Once again, we're not doctors, but that's just something to be very, very wary of. Next, um, diet culture, eating disorder triggers. 
Emma, if you want to start? There's a lot. Um, There's a lot in this. Um, I'm sure for anyone else who's also vegan, or even if you're not, you probably have experienced or come across the oil-free, high-carb, low-fat vegan YouTube community that was, you know, Freely the Banana Girl. I'm sure everyone knows about her. Um, I don't know what she's up to these days, nor do I want to know. Probably still having, like, a 20-banana smoothie. Yeah. Um, But I remember when I went vegan, I found, you know, this world on YouTube. And it was just all these, you know, tiny little... 16 year old youtuber youtubers that were lived in california and were saying like things like fat makes you fat or carbs make you fat um and the thing is that like carbohydrates are like the main source of energy like vegetables are carbs like literally everything has a carb in it and i think high carb low fat i really like fell into that because i I really honestly thought that like the fat was going to make me fat because it was like higher higher calories etc but again, like women, especially women, we need healthy fats in our daily diet because we need the fats as they build cell membranes and hormones. They absorb fat-soluble vitamins. So this is like vitamin A, D, E, and K. And fat also promotes healthy skin. And so my experience with high-carb, low-fat, you know, you would see all these like technically what I eat in the days and it would be like, I'm going to eat like a cup of oatmeal with like just fruit. And then I'm going to eat like 10 rice cakes. And then like, I'm going to have potato fries and I'm not going to cook with oil. And I'm only going to dip them in like oil-free hummus or with like sriracha. So I would literally be eating like a head of romaine lettuce with like three cut up potatoes. And like I experienced terrible bloating. So I was just eating like an excessive amount of carbs. And I never felt full because I didn't have like any of the fats to kind of like help slow down my, um, my digestion I like wasn't eating protein either and that is like a known component to like help um with you feeling fuller longer and I also had terrible acne because I was not eating any like healthy fats it was like strictly just like potatoes and oats um and granted like I still eat those but I like make sure to incorporate like some sort of protein or fat when I'm eating those foods and yeah it was like very it was like very dangerous for me and that kind of led to me being so fearful of oil and I still am to this day, which is, like, stupid and, like, annoying. And I wish it was, like, one thing that I could, like, get over. But it's, like, something that I will take me a really long time to feel fully comfortable in, like, purchasing things that have oil or, like, cooking with oil. Because it's, like, so deep-rooted in my mind that, like, oil's bad for you for, like, whatever fucking reason that, like, some stupid YouTuber, like, made up. Totally. And, like, I agree with this. I think this is, like, a rabbit hole that a lot of vegans fall down from. And, like, none of these women or people that are giving you the high-fat, high-carb, low-fat diet have any sort of medical background. But, like Emma said, this is the consequences of if you are an influencer, if you are, like, watching YouTube videos. There's shit that I heard probably when I was 13 that still influences how I eat and think about food today, like I'm always saying. Like, if you think, like, oh, like, this person can, you know listen to Mark Hyman talk about the benefits of a Mediterranean diet and olive oil is good for you. Like they can just listen to that and then they'll be cured. No, this shit lives with you. I could be slapped in the head with people telling me that olive oil is good for me. And I still would feel like scared by it to a certain extent. So once it's like really, really rooted in you and like a self a sense of your self worth or confidence comes from that information, it's like a validating experience. It's going to be hard to shake off. Totally. Um, yeah. Um, another thing I feel like is like I especially see these on my explore page on Instagram, just like 
diet desserts are like healthy indulgent like snacks or treats and these are just like yeah like healthier versions of your favorite desserts that are made with like medjool dates and like applesauce (laughs) um and it definitely just like makes you fearful of sugar and this just like led to like at least for me like becoming very obsessive over like having like sweets and desserts and candies like I'd always feel bad that like I was craving those things and then I would like go and like I again have mentioned this in previous episodes just like trying to make the healthier version like a fucking like black bean brownie but like you're just like not as satisfied because like yeah Emma you're eating a fucking blended up like black bean and like rolled out with like maple syrup like of course so (laughs) I would just like end up over consuming because I was like not being able to like get pleasure out of what I wanted and again also like a lot of like the prepackaged stuff too, you know, it's like low calorie and like sugar-free options. They can be like loaded with like artificial sweeteners and other random ingredients where you're honestly just like better off just like having the real thing and moving on with life. Um, another thing is like, we've mentioned a lot already is like the term detox, like do this five day detox juice cleanse. And the issue with this is that like, they rarely identify what toxins they are aiming to remove when you like drink these juices. Um, and it's generally targeted towards like bloating and weight loss inflammation. You always see these pop up like when it's like about to be summer and like bikini season. Yeah. And um, there's like also very little evidence that these detox diets remove actual toxins. Your body is capable of cleansing itself through like the liver, bowel movements, sweating. Mm-hmm. And like from the Harvard Women's Health Watch, they like mentioned that like, yeah, this is like just another form of like a low calorie diet which can lower your basal metabolic rate. So you're slowing down your metabolism and it lacks essential nutrients, protein and fatty acids. And a lot of these like detox teas um, or pills, they can contain laxatives. So you're going to be have experiencing lots of bowel movements, like very watery stools. And this can cause dehydration, deplete electrolytes and just impair your bowel movements. And so I like, just know that like that like I have never tried some sort of like detox cleanse diet juice thing because I just like know a like that would be such a trigger for me like eating disorder wise and I just like know that like I would fail like it and because obviously like you're not getting the proper nutrients proper calories like I don't want to feel weak and tired all the time like that when I did experience my eating disorder like obviously like I was not eating enough so like I like literally could not get out of my bed and I just like never want to be in that place again like I like feeling healthy and being able to like move my body and like be productive and active um and so yeah like the detox claim is just like very triggering and it's just like not healthy yeah I think it's like why are you seeking out a detox is like the main thing like I'm always saying we all are not like being prescribed everyone being prescribed the same sort of skinny tea or juices without like a targeted medical concern like just generally like inflammation okay that's like a bullshit health claim like tech yeah we're all inflamed like when you work out that is a form of inflammation like that is a natural form of inflammation and natural stressor on your body but like to act like everyone in the world has the same stressors in their body their cortisol levels are the same this is like an issue just generally a wellness what it's so dissociated from any sort of medical issue you are seeking out to fix like the whole point of wellness is to make yourself healthy and well live a long life and if you're just doing trends without a targeted result or end goal like you might have I mean me if if I didn't get into my eating disorder I probably was on the path to a pretty fucking healthy life and I stepped back and like my quote wellness healthy detox stuff that I was doing made my long-term health benefits even worse So that's, like, another thing. Like, if your whole point of doing these things is health and wellness, like, really make sure it's targeted. 
I'm sure like a detox probably can help some people, but it's all a lot of marketing is tied up into it. And this gets into like, oh, I was going to say like, this gets into really niche kind of like food trends. Once again, if they work for you, great. But I think this is just coming from Emma's and my experience with like eating disorder issues where like a lot of this shit is very triggering for us. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, So I think we can kind of go into like the next like section and like eating disorder, like diet triggers, which is like food combining. And there's like many different types. Um, But like the Ayurvedic diet, I mean, I have never personally gone down this like rabbit hole. I mean, I have taken like, what's your dosha like quiz. And this is just like a form of like, it's like restrictive eating based on your body type. Again, you cannot change what your natural body type is. And like some of it's like, you should like avoid like sour cream or out of fats or like sugar because like this is like the shape of your body yeah. and it's like okay yes all of our bodies are going to react to different things and if you know that like I don't feel good when I like eat all this like dairy then yeah maybe cut it out but also it's just like don't like take this quiz and be like this is how like I have to live like I am no longer allowed to eat like a sugary donut because this quiz online told me I can't because of my body type and again it's like you like you know what's best for you these like quizzes these like articles they do not know everything that goes into your like daily life and I think but yeah it's just like a form of like restrictive eating um yeah another one is like well another thing on Ayurveda I want to interject and say is like Mm -hmm. there is a rooted tradition to it there is a history there is like that I'm not diminishing that I'm just saying if you have an eating disorder like there is yeah you know like cultures that have practiced this way of eating and it has worked it is a very intuitive way of eating like we are just so detached from it in our modern culture that I think when a lot of wellness interject Ayurvedic slogans and like using it as like a, a marketing thing almost, that's when it can be triggering. Like Emma was saying, it's you are only allowed to eat certain foods. And anytime I think a health claim is making you um, cut out like entire food groups or foods or nutrients, that's an area to like press pause and question like, will this work for me? Right. Totally, totally. And I think, yeah, for sure. And then um, the next is like the raw vegan or like the raw till four. Honestly, just like a big like LOL at this point. Like I remember like I would watch some of the videos and be like, they would just like claim like you can only eat foods so, like that are no more than like a 118 degrees like <laughs> Fahrenheit. Like you can't eat like cooked foods. And again, it's just like lacking nutrients and calories. I mean, I don't really know like how prevalent this is anymore, but I just remember again, like when I was like 15 or 16, I would see a lot of these and just be like, I'm only eating like fruit for like the entire day. And then I was like, damn, should I only be eating fruit? Like, obviously no Emma, but it's just like, again, it's so easy to be convinced that what someone else is doing is like something that you need to be doing. And it's just like, it sucks. And it's like so hard to stay in your lane because you're constantly being bombarded by different claims and like different ways to eat and it's just yeah it's mentally exhausting yeah another thing kind of tying ayurveda and like raw vegan or fruitarian diets is the access of budget and making this like so elite for example like when i was looking at ayurvedic stuff and it said you should eat these things i looked into my pantry and i had none of the vegetables it wanted me to eat or sorry my fridge i didn't have artichokes i didn't have radishes i had green beans and carrots so like you're really being exclusive when you're telling people to go to the grocery store and only buy certain vegetables and very specific nuts and seeds. Like that's why I don't really prescribe like seed cycling as well. Like who the fuck, like, okay, you can afford to have four different types of nuts in your fridge at all times. Like good for you. And raw veganism. Like if I had to buy watermelon throughout the entire year, 
that would be so fucking expensive. And you're still like lacking nutrients. Like Emma was saying, it's like such an all or nothing mindset that it's very much a slippery slope of like, I'm going to cut out everything. And like, who the hell can go and afford half this shit? It's the same thing with juice cleanses. Like it's such a privileged thing that is so pervasive in the wellness world. Like that's another point of like accessibility. That's like drives me nuts too. Um, The next one is intermittent fasting, fasting generally. I think this is like definitely a rise recently. Um, If you haven't heard of it, it's like Mm -hmm. you only eat throughout certain parts of the day. The other times your body is fasting. It's like mimicking, you know, fasting hormones so that your body is losing fat and has the most effective metabolism. A lot of this is only tested on men when you're doing extreme like cuts. There's literally some where you only eat one meal a day and you're supposed to get your day's worth of calories. Like if you're, you know, it's like health woo-woo people prescribing that, right? Like there's no, there have been clinical trials on this. Most of the time it's only tested on men. And if you did this as a woman, I'm betting it would fuck up your hormones. Uh, A lot of this would trigger kind of this eating disorder mindset of starvation where like, well, I only can eat this time. And then you can lead to excess binges when like you only have one meal a day or two meals a day to get in all your calories. It's like a very high stress thing. Then again, when you go to eat your dinner and you're stressed about how much you should have to eat, like you're just increasing your cortisol in ways that could be more um, like reverse, like not helping your health, as Emma said before. Uh, It cuts you away from your natural eating eating cues like one day you could wake up and be hungry at 7 a.m the next day you could be hungry at 10 a.m for me this is a slippery like I try to eat the same time every single day just because I have had a passive eating disorders like if I followed intuitive eating 100% I know I do not have intuitive cues so that's just a preventative thing that I implement um but another thing with intermittent fasting, I know like a lot of these like blogs and intermittent fasting like gurus, they prescribe a lot of appetite suppressants, whether it be like coffee and tea, caffeine, some sort of pills to make you like forget about your hunger. It's just so dangerous to suppress your appetite and like all, almost consciously doing that and adopting that as a practice at some point. Like I'm going to drink this tea before bed so I won't be hungry. Um, your hunger cues are going to be out of whack when you're in a constant state of dependency on whatever supplements these people are telling you to do or coffee or tea. I know that like I drink coffee, but I know that like I can still get my through my day without coffee or tea or any sort of like, yeah, like weird diet pills or something to make you forget about your hunger cues. So I just think that's a really dangerous one. Um, next one juice cleanses again kind of like touching yeah again like we've mentioned they're elitist and pricey but also like with juice cleanses i mean you're removing the fiber so you're being just left with like the sugar which can lead to blood blood sugar spikes which can lead to you being hangry you know feeling just like weak and tired and it can also clean out the good and healthy bacteria in your gut because you since you're only consuming liquids like you're just going to be like going to the restroom a lot and it's also like a quick fix. Like, you know, you cannot change your body in like the span of three days. And I think that's one of the biggest issues that I have with like wellness. It's all rooted or just like health and like diet claims. It's like all rooted in like quick fixes. And like, no one ever thinks about like long-term impacts or like longevity. It's like, I would much rather just like eat however I want that like makes me feel good and satisfied for the rest of my life. And as opposed to, like, trying to, like, target with, like, this, like, quick fix. It's just, like, mentally draining. And it's then it's, like, after you're done with, like, this juice cleanse or, like, quick diet or whatever. It's, like, what do you do after mm-hmm. then, you know? Yeah. And there's no guidance there on, like, then you probably will feel guilty about, no. like, okay, well, I'm eating oatmeal now. Like, shit. Like, last week I was just drinking juice. Like, maybe I can always drink juice for the rest of my life. Like, your, your head is going to go down thoughts mm-hmm. of, like, shit, maybe this calorie cut was actually – 
maybe I could do it every single day. And then it becomes a challenge on yourself. Like, I'm not a good person if I can't limit my calories in this way or suppress my appetite in this way or only eat these foods. So it just becomes a mental game. Very draining, very exhausting. Uh, The next one is ketosis or keto diet, like very trendy. And it's like intensely weighing your foods, you're tracking carbs, you're treating things like broccoli as a carb. I know like literally I feel like I've watched videos in like a kind of flippant way because I never will do this. But they were like had a food scale and they were measuring like, oh, this broccoli has this much carbs. It just becomes like pseudo math where I feel like people think they have so much medical control over their food. It's like you're just eating the food like your body's going to process it and like whether or not you weighed it on a scale and like thought you ate exactly 200 grams of broccoli or not, like it's so crazy to have that much time and like leisure time and like money to buy a food scale too with certain stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And also like cutting carbs, like it can increase your cortisol levels um, because if you like don't have enough carbs and if you're not in like ketosis, um, the body will begin to burn like protein for energy instead of like fat and carbs, which will yield, the required glucose needed for energy production, which causes a stress in the body. And also like low carb diets can impact adrenal function by reducing your GABA, which is a neurotransmitter, which is involved in calming the nervous system. And these are producing like the intestinal microbes and carbs are a good source of prebiotic fibers to feed these microbes. And if you're not getting those, you're not going to be producing these um, neurotransmitters in your microbes. So yeah, keto, I like don't prescribe to either. Like I feel like shit if I don't have enough like carbohydrates. And again, like carbs are like your main source of energy. Like it's just like important to eat like a well-rounded diet of like consuming like healthy amount of fats and carbs and protein. And I think again, any sort of diet that is like, oh, don't eat this food group. Like, that is, like, a big red flag, especially, like, Mm -hmm. for women. Totally. And then, like, in conclusion with, you know, everything we've talked about, I think Emma could rant and rave about this for years. Um, Yeah. But (laughs) from the American Heart Association, like, yo-yo dieting in women may lead to increase for heart disease, according to a preliminary study. Influencers don't have your interest at stake when they are promoting random health claims. Like they don't actually care if you are healthy or not. They don't care if they're damaging your bone health for the rest of your life. They're frankly just doing whatever they want for whatever reasons. Um, There are, I don't think we talk enough about the dangerous effects of dieting culture and like not even just how dangerous it can be and like leading to eating disorders but actually from health like if wellness is here to make people healthy it is actually making people very unhealthy in a lot of the stuff it's um displaying and social media too it feels like surveillance like everyone posting what they eat work out do i will occasionally post a meal if it's if it looks decent (laughs) on instagram i talk a lot about like running and stuff but I get a lot of dms like Kate how long do you run how many run days do you run a week what do you eat every single day what do you eat after eating like what do you think about this I don't fucking know like I I'm also just figuring it out and I do not have a medical background I'm not going to my doctor and telling them or asking them how government regulations work like I'm not going to go to a hairstylist and tell them how to be more fashionable like you're going to the wrong places for your information basically it's difficult to do because diet culture is everywhere and like social media people go there to seek out information but it's like being conscious with what you are seeking out basically yeah Totally. And again, like any restrictive diet, like you're setting yourself up to fail. Um, And it's like, no, like when you're exposed to a food often enough, you actually desire it less because your brain will consider it as a novelty. 
Um, I know like, yeah, when I would not allow myself to like eat any of these sweets or anything, like I would crave them so much more because I was not allowing myself to have these things. And then like when I would have them, I would just like overindulge because my, it was like my brain knowing like, this is the last time we're going to get it. Like we need to like take advantage of this moment. And this is again, like not to say you can't change up what you eat, how you move, but just like be cautious of how you go about making these changes for how it can affect your hormones, mental stability and body image. Again, there's so much focus on like the now and like having like a quick fix, but I think we need to focus more on just like the long-term effects and like longevity and like how you're treating your body right now, how that'll impact you in the future. My dad has always told me like invest in your health now so you don't have to pay for it later. And you know, that goes with like, you know, not eating junk food all the time, but also like not like starving and depriving yourself and like being like way too restrictive, way too healthy. Um, because that can lead to equally as damaging impacts on your health um, yeah. in the long term. This is just to say, like, everything, once again, I think Emma and I have both made adjustments and tweaks, like, whether it be food or movement related, like, oh, I'm really sore, I'm going to take a rest day this many times a week, or I really miss this food, I'm going to, like, start eating more of it, or oh, I ate a lot of that and that made me feel like shit. Like you're able to be like, you can make obviously whatever choices in your life. But once again, like it's a slippery slope. Um, In a large study of adolescents, I just wanted to read this because I think it was good. um, Dieting is the most important predictor of developing an eating disorder. Those who dieted moderately were five times more likely to develop an eating disorder. Those who practiced extreme restriction, like clean eating, were 18 times more likely to develop an eating disorder than those who did not diet. So while a lot of things like clean eating detoxing. Once again, I cognitively understand what they are trying to target. It's trying to make people more healthy. We do have an obesity epidemic in this country. I understand that. But when you are targeting at people that are probably already prone to having some sort of health routine, taking care of their body, or at least being conscious of it, if you're being shoved endless amount of information, you are like the wellness industry is a big factor for why people do tend to have health problems, i.e. an eating disorder. Um, and this is to say like Emma and I have both been there. So like, if you listen to this and you feel yourself identifying with some of the health risks, maybe you do not have your period, you feel low, low energy. You've been trying some different things with calories or dieting or ketosis or different trends. Um, you know, reach out to a family member or a friend that you support or that you feel would support you. There are resources out you. I think, it's very easy to suffer in silence. I know that I did for some time. I felt like every day was a chore. I really was not, you know, looking outside and seeing that the sky was blue. I wasn't living life to the fullest. Um, it's very common for girls living our age because there's so much conflicting wellness, nutrition, fitness information. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, standards and beauty ideals shoved at you. So it's very normal. And Emma and I want you to have this sturdy support system. We love you guys. And I think that's sort of how, you know, we want to promote this podcast. It's like wellness in a very accessible way. Also disclosing that we have both suffered with it and we still suffer with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I also want to go on with that point. Like, don't be afraid to seek out help. Like you deserve to get like treatment and help if you feel like that is like you're at the point where you need it. I know for a really long time, it took me a long time to admit to my parents that like, hey, I have an issue and I want to get this resolved because I was afraid to admitting that I had a problem because I think, again, a lot of it's, like, centered around, like, being perfect and, like, having the perfect body type and, like, fitting into societal standards and just leads to, like, perfectionism. And so I was so afraid to admit that I had a problem and that what I was doing wasn't okay. 
and yeah, like you deserve it. Don't feel ashamed or embarrassed. Um, you know, if your family and like your closest friends should want what's best for you and they obviously want you to like be healthy and be able to live life. Like Kate said, like not, you know, constantly just like going on, like, you know, living on your like calorie counting app and yeah. So don't be afraid to like reach out. Um, and yeah, we, again, this podcast is meant just to like, yeah, create a supportive system and support all the girlies out there who may be struggling with all these issues and, but are still like interested in wellness. Cause I think you still can be interested in like being healthy and like being wanting to be part of like the wellness industry, I guess, quote unquote, in like a healthy way that isn't centered around like body image and like calories and such. I think wellness is fucked as we've discussed (laughs) in this podcast. Mm -hmm. So that was episode seven. Um, we're going to be coming to you guys with, you know, more content. We never take days off over here. We're very serious, as we've said. Emma, what else you got on the docket today? It's 137. Ooh, I know it is 137. Um, I told myself I'd maybe work out later, but also I've just been enjoying sitting around and not really moving my body today. Um, so I might end up just like resting. Um, Gotta work through some of the last components in my fridge before I embark to Nebraska for the holidays. Um, Don't worry, y'all. I'm getting tested tomorrow. Like, everything (laughs) is fine. Um, But, yeah, I'm taking the – I'm taking precautions. um, But not anything wild, man. Same thing. Fridge clean out. Gotta go grab my laundry. I really got a buzz, but I don't know what it was for. (laughs) If I have a guest or something. So I'll go figure out that madness. Uh, also, I'm going to pack my baggage and go to Minnesota. I've not seen the rents and fam in a while and excited to, you know, go home safely. I tested negative throughout this week twice, everyone. So taking it seriously, it's not like Emma and I are going out and partying. One, who would be partying with? <laughs> Second of all, no. Literally. Um, but like that, I think that that does it, man. That does. <laughs> Thank that you does for potting with me, Emma. <laughs> uh, always a pleasure. I love, I love just hopping on the Anchor app and chatting away with you. All things health and I wellness. I can't wait related. to see what memes um, you choose for later, dog. So, <laughs> yeah, I I will be posting one right after this. So amazing. Well, thank you guys so much. <laughs> and that was episode seven of the Voice Memo Podcast. Bye. Okay. Bye, man. <laughs>